Israel votes, students march, and Canada heats up. Lots to talk about today. So we have a lot to talk about today, but before we do that, I want to talk to you about a new series I have on my website, Islam versus Christianity. I hear people tell me all the time that Islam and Christianity are so close, they're basically the same thing, um, they believe a lot of the same things. The truth is, Christianity and Islam have a lot of the same terms, but do we have different meanings for these terms? So far, I have two videos up. I have one on end times and one on heaven. And next Monday, I'm going to be doing one on Jesus. So if you want to know the difference between these two faiths, Islam and Christianity, head over to my website, lauraleesiemens.com, click on videos and check out the series, Islam versus Creation. Also, if you're wondering how you can support this podcast and my other podcasts, uh, and my videos and my blogs, you can now do that by shopping on our website. And here's the really, really cool thing. Once you click on something, it's gonna take you to Amazon and then anything you buy in Amazon for the next 24 hours will support me and help me produce more content on the website. Also, don't forget about our other podcast, Gifts from God. And that's a podcast where we talk about adoption and foster care. And sometimes we're answering questions that people have about fostering or adopting. And sometimes we're telling the stories of families that have fostered or adopted. So you want to go over there, check out Gifts from God. You want to check out my videos. I have so much stuff on the website. So head over there to lauraleesiemens.com. Okay, so let's get started. Last week, I spent most of the episode talking about the Israeli election and why I really wanted Benjamin Netanyahu to win. So this week was the election. And if you listen to the media, you would have thought it was actually a really tight race. In fact, as the polls closed, the media had pronounced Benjamin Netanyahu's rival as the winner. But here's what you need to know about the media in Israel. It's just as far left as the media is here in Canada and in the United States. And the people in Israel are basically sick of it. So they've started purposely messing with the media. And elections, just like they are here in Canada, in Israel, that's a secret ballot. So the only way the media gets an idea of what the vote is going to be is by asking people as they leave who they voted for. So people were purposely telling the media they voted for the leading opposition to Benjamin Netanyahu. The media was, of course, really giddy with excitement that Netanyahu was going to be kicked out of office. In the end, he won with an overwhelming majority. He has more seats now than he has ever had. It was an easy win and kind of an embarrassing night for the media. So all in all, a great night. Benjamin Netanyahu won 30 seats and had a great showing in the polls. Both Israel and the United States have realized this obvious bias in the media and really the media has just lost all credibility. But here in Canada, 
we haven't really gotten to that point yet where we've figured it out. Not only is the media corrupt and really biased, the school system is also really biased. And both parents and students seem to be, well, unaware of this. And because people don't seem to understand that, we have a generation that's being really easily manipulated. This week I posted on a few different social media sites my thoughts on the student march here in Ontario last week. People were pretty mad at me. The answer to my questions were that teachers are great and they love their students. Yeah, I didn't say they didn't love their students. I said the students were being brainwashed. So I'm going to talk about this now here on the podcast, and I'm also going to be doing a video about this, possibly today or tomorrow. As a reminder, you can check out my videos on lauraleesiemens.com. So before I jump into this story, I just want to start by telling you my personal story. When I was in high school, I totally was the student who questioned everything. That's always been my personality. I'm the one that stirs the pot. I've never been afraid to stand up for what I believe in. And if someone had said to me that I was brainwashed, I would have been pretty angry. And actually, now that I think about it, I did have a teacher once tell me I was brainwashed. He actually kept me after class one day to tell me that I was brainwashed by my church. It was a drama teacher who told me I needed to stop listening to my church and think for myself. That was a really weird day. But stories like that made me think that I was actually a free thinker. I believed that I stood my ground and that I knew what I believed in. I voted my last year of high school. We had 13 grades then, so I was 18 when I finished high school. And I voted liberal. I actually didn't vote conservative until I voted for Harper. I think that was my third time voting, federally. My parents had conservative signs on their front lawn, so since I was voting different from my parents, and also my teachers seemed to think I was being brainwashed by my church, I would seem like I was a free thinker, blazing my own trail. At least that's kind of what I thought about myself. I was this huge environmentalist. I mean, I really embraced environmentalism, totally. I was a vegetarian. I even had clothes that were made out of hemp. I was, I guess, a Christian liberal. I was always pro-life and I didn't believe in sex outside of marriage the way God designed it. So I stood out at church and I stood out at school. So that would make people think, it made myself think, that I was a free thinker thinking for myself. I changed my views on things slowly over time and I'm going to talk about the environmentalism stuff at the end of this podcast. But politically, I changed my views or I guess you could say better way of looking at that is I actually learned what conservatism and liberals stood for because that was never really taught to me in high school. I got what the teacher's union version of what conservatives believe. I never had a conservative tell me what conservatism is. It was actually about a year ago when I realized I had been totally brainwashed. So when I was in high school, our premier was Mike Harris, and the teachers' union did not like him at all. And we had walkouts, and his name was basically a curse word in the school. And I was talking to someone a year ago, and I said how I had voted liberal in my first election, and that probably had something to do with Mike Harris. And it was unfortunate that we had such a terrible conservative premier when I was in high school because it gave me such a bad impression of conservatism. The person I was talking to asked me a question. Well, what didn't you like about Mike Harris? Crap. I had no idea. I mean, he was a monster, right? 
I mean, the picture I had of him in my mind was like, he hated children and he wanted to make people homeless. And I remember in school learning, he was going to end up ruining our electricity. And we're going to all end up living without power. You know, he was a monster. I, even in high school, I made this movie and it was just a story about a family that was homeless. And of course I had to put in this anti-Mike Harris line into the movie. And now that I think about it, that's probably the reason why it won an award. It probably had nothing to do with the movie, just the fact that I had said the right things that they wanted me to say. Anyway, I knew nothing about who Mike Harris was or what his values were. So a year ago, I decided to look it up. And right before we had Mike Harris, we had Bob Bray and the NDP who ran up debt, gave away money like it grew on trees, made regulations for companies so hard that jobs had left Ontario. Mike Harris stepped in. He wanted to end government control. He privatized things. He wanted to lower taxes. He wanted to make it easier for businesses to make money in Ontario. That way the businesses would come to Ontario and hire people. You know, he was a conservative. Reading his platform now, I wish he was running the province now. He wasn't a monster. And oh yes, I had been brainwashed. The thing about being brainwashed is you don't know that it's happening. That's how come it's effective. And it's the most effective on people who don't have fully developed brains. And yes, that is you if you're in high school. And it's most definitely anyone in elementary school. Last Thursday, hundreds of students marched across Ontario and the media was very happy to put their pictures and videos of them all over the news. And many teachers, not all teachers, but many teachers were really happy to say how proud they were of their students standing for their rights. But I saw something different. I saw people who are not old enough to understand what they are marching for. I saw people who were, in my opinion, being used by the media and the teachers union to promote the media's cause and the teachers union's cause. A lot of those students are going to have very different views in just a few years. I don't like to see people being taken advantage of. And I think that is exactly what was happening. Okay, now you're probably really mad and freaking out right now. And people totally got mad at me when I talked about this on social media. Students were mad because they said they were, they were not being used. And teachers were mad because they seemed to think I was saying teachers are bad people, which I didn't say that. And for the record, I don't believe that. And parents were mad that I was saying their children should not be out protesting for a cause that they can't possibly fully understand. So... First, I want to talk to the teachers. Now, a few teachers who are friends of mine messaged me privately to clarify what I was saying. And because they know me and they know I would probably not be happy with what was happening. So they understood that. They also understood that I'm not actually against teachers and I'm not actually against public schooling. The opposite is true. I'm so thankful that in Canada we have free education that is available and equal for girls and boys and rich and most of the world doesn't have this. I'm not trying to fight against this. I'm trying to protect this. A free and fair education does not involve forcing one political ideology on your students. So to the teachers who are mad at me, and I know that some of you are, I do think you're a good teacher. I do think you love your students. I do think your job is hard. And I get that you invest a lot of your own money into making your classrooms great. At the exact same time, I think the school is biased and the union is using their students. Two things can be true at the same time. 
Okay, I want to talk now to the students. Like I just said, two things can be true at the same time. Your teachers can be awesome people. They can be people who are making a great impact on your life, people who love you. And also, they could be people who are only giving you one side of the argument. I want to give you some tips, just some questions to ask yourself about the things that you are outraged about. First, ask yourself if it is true. Now, here's an important thing to remember. The opposition party is supposed to be an opposition party. It's literally their job to criticize the government. They're obviously not giving you a fair and balanced criticism. This is actually a really good thing. It's an important part of our freedom. I'm glad we live in a country that not only allows criticism of the government, it not only encourages criticism of the government, it actually demands criticism of the government. That's awesome. We need to know that that is their job and we need to hear what they have to say. Then we also have to hear the other side. But what isn't cool is when they just make things up. And it isn't just the opposition party. Lots of people just make things up. When I was talking about the walkout, one student messaged me and said that they're going to add 30 students to her classroom and there's going to be no room for all those desks. So people are going to have to stand through class. That's not true. Here's another rule. If it's outlandish, it's probably not true. No one's adding 30 students to a classroom. You will have 30-ish students in your classroom, but no one's going to add 30 kids to your classroom. And no one is going to be standing through class. I've heard other crazy things. One woman messaged me saying Ford was completely getting rid of kindergarten and school was going to start in grade one. Where do people even get this stuff? I'm in a group with mothers and one of the mothers heard something crazy from a friend of hers who's a social worker. I'm not going to repeat what she heard because that's exactly how rumors start. But the other moms were all freaking out. Over the next week, I could not calm them down. They were actually talking about putting a march together. In the end, we finally heard from a trusted source that it was just a rumor and there was zero chance that that particular thing was going to happen. It would actually be illegal for the government to do that. Still, some of those moms are still worried about it. So first, make sure what you're mad about is actually true. And if it's outlandish, chances are it's not true. That's the first thing. Second, Can you correctly state the opposite viewpoint? You don't really have an opinion on a topic if you've only heard one side of the argument. If you can't explain the other side of the argument in a way that people who hold that side of the argument would agree is fair, then you have not thought out your position. You have simply believed something that was told you. Imagine if your parents did that. If they only heard your teacher's side of an argument or they only heard your sibling's side of the argument and they didn't even ask for your side at all, would they have a fair and balanced view of what had happened? Let me tell you how this approach has changed things for me. In some cases, I've ended up changing up my mind. In some cases, I've ended up deciding I don't even really know and I can't have a complete opinion on it. And in some cases, I've made my original viewpoint more solid. I'll give you an example. I used to be completely anti-gun. I wouldn't even allow toy guns in our home. No games with guns, no movies with guns, no guns, zero. When someone would argue with me about guns, I really couldn't argue back because I not really looked into the other side of the argument. 
I ended up watching some debates and I listened to both sides of the argument and I ended up changing sides. Look, I still don't have a gun in my house, but I can see why people should have the right to have guns. When my kids were babies, I had someone tell me not to vaccinate them. I thought they were crazy. Only weird people think like that. But then I got a paper from my doctor with all the things to look out for after my child had her vaccines and what to do if she got sick. So that made me want to look more into what the anti-vaccine people believed. In the end, I decided I would vaccinate my children. However, I can now correctly explain the anti-vaccine argument. And it kind of, just a side note, it makes me really annoyed when I hear people mocking them or incorrectly stating their viewpoint. Even though I still vaccinate my children, I have empathy for the people who have the other viewpoint because I understand what their viewpoint is. And they do have some good and valid points. So sometimes learning the other point of view can simply give you empathy for other people who hold that viewpoint. I'm also a pro-life advocate. Before I began to speak on pro-life issues, I looked at the pro-abortion arguments. I read articles. I talked to a lot of people who hold that viewpoint. I watched videos. In the end, this process ended up making me even more pro-life. And it also helped me to be better at stating the pro-life arguments. I can see the places that pro-life and pro-abortion people agree on. And yeah, that's the other thing. When you learn the other viewpoint, you can find places where you agree. And starting from places of agreement is always the best place to start. Basically what I'm saying is this, you should be able to argue both sides. And once you can, then you can have a real opinion. You might end up changing your mind, you might become more empathetic, and you might become a better advocate for the side that you currently are on. For example, let's look at the autism argument. I'm using that argument because it's one of the reasons people were marching last week. So here is both sides of that argument. First, the lie. Ford did not make cuts to the budget. He actually increased it. Here it is. Currently, there are 23,000 autistic kids on a waiting list. That's 23,000 kids getting no help at all. I think we can all agree that that's a problem. There's an even larger waiting list for families who are trying to get their kids diagnosed. Ford actually doubled the money going into diagnosis, and he has promised to clear the waiting list this year. But in order to help the 23,000 kids getting nothing, Ford has changed the way the money is being spent. Instead of funding resources, he's giving the money directly to families, and he's letting them use the money the way they want, and they can access resources. What's good about that is that there will be no kids on the waiting list, and kids will get help right away. But there is, of course, another side to this argument. There are children who are currently in treatment, and nothing could be worse for a child in treatment than to disrupt this treatment, especially for children with autism. And once you spread the money to all the families, then obviously the families getting all the help now are not going to have as much as they currently have. And this is going to really negatively affect these families. Also, there's a wide spectrum with autism, and there are some families who need more resources than others. Now, there's two sides to take. One, keep it as it is and don't make any changes to the system that's helping the children because those changes are going to hurt the children being helped now. And I understand that means that others are not going to get help, but sometimes that's how life is. We can't hurt kids currently getting treatment. 
The other side, we need to spread the money and make sure all kids are getting help. And if we give the funds directly to the families instead of to organizations, more money will make it to the children and won't be wasted on bureaucracy. I understand that means kids in treatment right now are going to go through a really tough time while they transition into different care. This is tough, but that's how life is sometimes. Do you see how there's two viewpoints here? What about class sizes? This is another thing kids were marching about. Let me read an article by Brian Lilly. I'm going to read this last paragraph here. Okay. In 2017, researchers from the Department of Education at the University of Missouri and Michigan State University examined the impact of smaller class sizes in math results on students across 14 European countries. Class sizes effects are generally non-significant, they found. In most European countries, class sizes, class size reduction does not have an impact on student achievement and does not close the achievement gap. They also studied reading outcomes with Michigan State. Overall, the results indicated that class size effects on reading achievements are not significant across countries and years. They wrote in this journal, Studies of Educational Evaluation. While there are studies that will point to improved outcomes, the scope of the improvement is often very small. Florida spent more than $20 billion on reducing class sizes in 2002. That was around the same time the idea took hold in Ontario. The Vice President of Education Data and Policy at the Urban Institute studied the results and found that class sizes reduction in Florida had little, if any, effect on student achievement. The Ford government is not increasing class sizes for children in kindergarten through grade three, even though from an evidence-based point of view, it would be a defensible policy. Now, if you can fully articulate both sides, then you get to have an opinion. If you're marching because you believe Ford is a monster who hates kids with autism, he's cutting all their funding and he's going to, and he hates kids in school and he's going to make your classroom so big you can't learn anything, then you don't have all the facts and the media is using you. And that leads me to the next question you need to ask yourselves. Are you being used? Are you aware of the pressure the liberals have through the teachers union? I asked teachers to answer me honestly if they were pressured to vote liberal in the last election. And teachers messaged me privately with some pretty scary stories. They all said that they were either called, emailed, or texted and told not to vote for the conservative party in the last election. And actually that that's a normal thing for teachers that they get every election. One person told me that in the previous election, they were up front and said that they were voting conservative. And that ended up creating this huge backlash in the workplace. And it got so bad, he ended up quitting teaching altogether. A common thing I heard was that people, the teachers are conservative, but they have to be conservative and silent. They have to pretend they voted for liberals. And they would never say anything pro-Ford in the school setting or even on social media. They had to message me privately. That's actually terrifying. Canada is supposed to be a free country where you can be open about your political beliefs. You should be able to proudly say who you voted for. Put a sign on your front lawn. There should be no backlash for, from your job for doing it. If this is how teachers feel in your classroom, do you think you're getting a fair and balanced learning experience? The teachers union and the media want Ford to look bad. They want him to look like a monster. What better way than to have children picketing him? 
That's the picture that they want. You picketing Ford is what they need. That's better than any commercial they could ever produce. And it's a free. Your image is their propaganda tool and they're not even paying you for it. Okay, let's take the deep cuts to school and let's ask our three questions. First, here is what we're being told. Teachers are being fired and massive cuts to the education system are going to hurt students. First of all, our first question, is it true? No one is getting fired. Ford is not going to replace teachers who retire. That's not the same thing as firing teachers. Can you explain both points of view? One, the liberals have overspent while in office and that spending has to be paid for. That means making cuts. When the liberals took control, there was 112,000 teachers. When they left, there was 125,979 teachers. But during that same time period, there was 109 fewer students. Ford isn't firing teachers. He is, however, not replacing ones that retire or ones that quit. Okay, here's the other side of the argument. Kids are finishing school hoping to be teachers. Pretty sure none of them are getting jobs because Ontario isn't hiring. That kind of stinks for them. All right, are you being used? Is there the possibility that the union wanted you marching in the streets so they could use your picture to pressure the Ford government to change their mind or to convince voters to vote differently in the next election? Does it help the teachers union if there's more teachers paying money into the teachers union? Now it's totally awesome to question the government and question politicians. Let me tell you, they are all going to disappoint you and they're all going to make you mad. Ford has done things I don't understand at all. I totally don't get why he's changing license plates. Maybe if someone knows why he's doing that, they can message me and let me know. There's other things he's done in the party that I don't like. Federally, I have no idea who I'm gonna vote for in October. I am literally a card-carrying member of the conservative party and I don't know if I'm gonna vote for Sheer in October. I actually don't love any of them and I will probably end up doing a whole podcast on that soon. We should not trust our government at all. I'm glad you don't trust your government. That's why I believe in limited government control. It's why I want low taxes. I don't want the government controlling things. I don't trust the government. That's why I believe in privatizing as much as possible. I just don't trust the government, any of it. Conservatives, liberals, NDP, I don't trust any of them. They all lie. So it's great that you don't trust the conservatives. Just maybe, maybe take some of that distrust and spread it to the rest of the parties. And also while you're at it, spread some of that distrust to the areas of your life controlled by those parties, like the media and your school. Okay, I'm gonna talk right now directly to the Christian kids who were marching last week. Every single year, there's a March for Life in Ottawa. It's a march literally for life a march to ask the government to create at least some laws around abortion. At least 100,000 abortions are committed annually in Canada. And since 1969, 4 million Canadians have died from abortions. Have you marched to stop that? It isn't really brave to march and speak out against Ford. You have the backing of the entire media, the whole teachers union, and even people who disagree with you about marching against Ford, they're afraid to tell you that they disagree with you. That's not brave. Brave would be marching for the lives of people being killed, murdered in Canada every year. 
I know it's awesome to be out there and feel like you're making a difference and marching does actually make a difference. That's why the unions wanted you out there doing that. But can I suggest to be really brave would be to go on a march and march against something the media disagrees with, something your union disagrees with, one where the people who agree with you are the ones who are afraid to tell you that they agree with you. I would suggest trying the march for life. All right, now let me talk to parents. Look, the left owns the media. They own the schools. And they think that they own your kids. And they don't. It's vital that we teach our children how to think, not what to think. I have a great book for kids called The Fallacy Detective. And I'm going to put a link to that below. It teaches kids how to think, what to look for in an argument so that they can find a bias. The book will help them be free thinkers and great debaters. It's what we want for kids, the ability to think for themselves. Okay, now there's one topic that I'm going to take these three points that we just talked about and go over with this other topic. This week, it was released that Canada is warming twice as fast as the whole planet. Oh my goodness, Canada's warming twice as fast as the whole planet? We're all going to die. Okay, so let's go through our questions. First of all, is it true? Yes-ish. So there's a few things they sort of left out. So since 1948, all the way till today, we have warmed twice as much of the rest of the world. But that number is so small, it isn't even really recognizable. So there was this climatologist who said, the warming we have had over the last 100 years is so small that if we didn't have meteorologists and climatologists to measure it, it would be unnoticeable. So here it goes. Since 1947, Canadian temperatures have gone up. Are you ready for this? 1.7 degrees. Wow, we better all panic. I mean, since 1947, our temperature has gone up by 1.7 degrees. Okay, imagine with me for a minute. Let's just think about this. Imagine if all you had to eat was one Cheerio and all I had to eat was two Cheerios, but one of those Cheerios actually had a piece broken off. And you said to me, you have almost double the amount of food that I have. Would that be true? Technically, yes, but less than two Cheerios is still not a lot of food. So if Canada only went up by 1.7 degrees in the last 72 years, and that's twice as much as the rest of the planet, doesn't that prove we don't have to panic and we're probably all completely fine? Okay, so the next question. Can you articulate both sides of the argument? So side one, we only have one earth and it should be taken care of. Our children and our grandchildren have to live here. And as Christians, God commands us to take care of the earth. And it's our responsibility as stewards to do that. We need to take action and we need to make sure our planet is still here for our families and for generations to come. All right, the other side of the argument, the weather changes. And if we look back to the first measurements, we can see that the earth and the climate has warmed and cooled over and over. And 1.7 in a 72 year time span isn't enough for me to worry about. All right, the next question, are you being used? A few things I noticed when I asked myself this question. Remember, I was a huge environmentalist, 
But if I was asking myself these questions and it was asking myself these questions that made me jump ship. First, am I being used to promote an anti-human agenda? This used to be a hidden agenda, but it's actually very open now. We're being told to not have kids. We're being told to murder our children with abortion in order to save the planet. Second, am I being used to promote socialism and communism? Every time people predict we're all going to die in 10 years, and did you know it jumped to 10 years? It was 12 years, like a month ago, but now they're saying 10 years, so we lost two years somehow in the last month. But anyway, every time they say that, the solution, so this is the huge problem, the whole earth is going to combust in 10 years. Here's the solution. Give the government more control of things and raise our taxes. That's always the solution. Meanwhile, the Islamic and communist and socialist countries that the left loves are actually the worst polluters. I mean, they are actually really have a problem. More than 95% of the plastics in the ocean come from two continents, Asia and Africa. What are we telling them to do? Nothing. They want to take my straw away, even though it has zero chance of ending up in a turtle's nose in the ocean. They don't care about Africa and making changes or China making changes. Hamas has been burning tires for almost a year on the Gaza border. They are purposely trying to ruin the air quality. That is their stated goal. And they're causing massive problems. And the media, silent. The only people being told to fix the problem are people living in free capitalistic countries. Why is that? Why are we the only ones who need to change? And why is that change socialist and communist government controls? These are some good questions to ask. Okay, I know this episode I talked about some things that people are probably going to be pretty mad about, but hopefully you can hear my heart and know where I'm, I'm coming from a good place. You can believe what you want to believe and you can vote the way you want to vote. I simply want to make sure you actually know what you believe. Believe, that's a strange thing. To believe something means we trust. We trust the person who told us. We trust that they are who they claim to be and they really can do the things they claimed they can do. It's like when we see a pilot before we get on the plane. We're trusting he really is a pilot, not just some guy who put on a costume. And we're trusting he really does know how to fly a plane. That's belief. And it's hard in life to know who to believe. Who do we put our faith in? I'm going to give you a secret. You will many times in life put your trust and your faith in the wrong person. You're going to believe them and then you're going to be wrong. There's only one who we can believe and trust and that's Jesus. People ask me, okay, what does that mean to believe in Jesus? It means just that. It means you have faith that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. That he is God and he only can forgive our sins. I believed a lot of people in my lifetime. I put my faith in a lot of people and over and over I have regretted that. But I have never regretted believing in Jesus Christ and putting my faith in him. So that's why I always end the podcast with the same message. And people ask me, why do you always put that at the end of your podcast? Because really it's the only thing that matters in total. Look, God loves you and your sin has separated you from him. And there is nothing you can do to fix that. God is the only one who can fix it. And in his love, he did just that. Jesus is God and he came to earth and took your punishment. And when you believe and you turn from your sin and put your faith in him, he will save you. He's going to save you from the power of sin today and the punishment of sin in the future. And it is something you will not regret. 
I'm Loralee Siemens for our podcast, blogs, and videos. Please go to my website, lauraleesiemens.com. And also don't forget, we now have a store, lauraleesiemens.com. See you next week.